How are you going to start your new year? Or what, what, what's ahead for you? What do you think um, What do you think's the difference is between people who end a year fulfilled and people who end the year empty? Um, what's the difference? Because like, all of you, if you could plan a year ahead and say, at the end of 2024, I'd just like to feel like I accomplished something or uh, 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 it's meaningful or I just feel good about my life. And what do, you, what do you think the difference is between people who are fulfilled and the rest of the world? I'll tell you, it's not intelligence and talent and appearance that uh, we find on TikTok or other places because we know that there are uh, smart people who are miserable, right? A lot of talented people who are broke and... Um, Attractive people who can't hold on to a relationship. You're like, yeah, I dated that person. Or maybe you are that person. You're like, hey, he called me attractive. Um, yeah, listen, that's the superficial stuff. What's the stuff that can lend itself to a meaningful, fulfilling life? And the difference is between people who are fulfilled and who are empty is the decisions they make. And before you write me off like, that's too simple, Listen, life is full of regret or life is full of success based on the type of decisions you make in your life. The quality of your decisions determines the quality of your life. But here's the problem. Um, We're not good decision makers. Maybe you are, I'm not. Like, have you ever like, I'm going to eat really well. And then you find yourself chowing down a, a, a Twinkie. Or I'm going to, I am going to, we're going to get our finances in order. And then you find yourself somewhere, uh, uh, something was on sale for 20%. Oh, it's God's will. I got to buy it. And, and you're like, ah, oh, why did I buy that thing? We, we, we're, we're not good decision makers. In fact, um, you may, like, I'm going to be nice to people. Then you find, you say things that you regret. Or you want to, um, um, there's stuff that in your life you don't want to do, and you find yourself always doing them. We're going to talk about that next week. Then, like, I just want to have great relationships. And then you find yourself hurting the people around you that you love the most. What's wrong with us? I wasn't too far into my life where I, did, I discovered I wasn't a good decision maker. In fact, I could give you just really dozens and dozens of bad decisions I've made. Only a few that I trust you to share, and I'll give you this one. I was like a third or fourth grader, and I was over at my friend's house, and they had a cat. And my buddy says, hey, Kyle, watch this. And he takes a cat, holds it about four feet off the ground, and says, watch this. Boom, lands on its feet. I'm like, what a genius cat. So I go home, and I was back in the TV room by myself. My parents had some friends over and whatever, and they're out in the dining room. And, and I look at my wiener dog, Otto, and I said, huh, come here, Otto. Yeah, Otto's not a cat. He didn't land on his feet. He landed on his back. That was the good part. He started just screaming, hyping, and his back legs are paralyzed. Bad decision, right? It gets better. My dad comes in and says, what happened? I said, I don't know. He just woke up that way. He was napping. <laughs> and, and this is back in the 70s, and I'm like, ah, oh, I killed my dog. And there was no vets in town. There was no Brewster vet. There was no Eisenhart back then. You had to go to Wenatchee to find old man Eisenhart. So we rushed Otto down to Wenatchee, and thank God they gave him a shot, and he relaxed, and he came back to all four legs, all four paws moving. Uh, bad decision. 
I got a number of things like that in my life. Maybe you don't. But some of us, don't raise your hand, do you have regrets when you look back and say you wish you had decided differently? Hey, listen, we're bad decision makers, and I'm going to give you three quick things why. And it's, it's really a lot to do with our personality, but it's a lot to do with the, the world we live in too. Like we're overwhelmed with choices. There's too many choices. When I was a kid growing up in Chelan, there was four channels. All right? One of them was PBS. That's why we didn't like Sesame Street or Electric Company. We watched it because that's all that was on if you didn't watch the news. All right? There's too many choices. In fact, cognitive scientists refer to it as decision fatigue. Have you ever sat with your remote and with Netflix or whatever and you're like, what should I watch? 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 And you go spend about 30 minutes and like, I'm not watching anything. There's too many choices. We're overwhelmed. Or we're afraid of making the wrong choice. And that we Christians do that a lot. Like, if we don't find the exact God's will choice, something bad's going to happen. And we take that to, like, what dessert should I order? All right? Or are these shoes God's will for me? Come on. We, we, we just push that push it too far out because we think we have to make the perfect choice. And the perfect choice leads us to a bad place because when we can't make a choice because we're afraid of making a wrong choice, indecision becomes the enemy of progress. We talk about it a lot here on staff at Real Life. It's like, yeah, okay, let's just try it. Yeah, but what if it's not? I don't know. No one's getting fired. Let's just We'll do the best we can. Let's see if it works. Oh, that didn't work. Okay, we'll do something different. Um, one last one. The reason we make bad decisions, why you and I make bad decisions, is we let emotions overrule logic. And that ain't a female thing. That's a human thing. Where we feel something and we sense something, and so we do it instead of thinking through, that's me, that's been my whole life, of thinking through the consequences. That was me in seventh grade. I'm just sitting on the bus. It was a two-hour bus ride because we lived in Boise. Nampa Christian, home of the Trojans, was in Nampa. And it was a two-hour ride because we had to pick up all the farm kids on the way there. And so I was bored, and Pee Wee Casper was sitting in front of me. She's short, little, cute thing, blonde hair. And I thought, this will be really cool. I take my bubble gum out of my mouth, and I wrap her hair in it. And I'm like, hey, that is, this is going to be fun. And as soon as I did, I'm like, well, that was a bad decision. Pee-wee was not happy with me uh, because I thought, this will be fun. Uh, uh, listen, don't make permanent decisions based on temporary emotion. And it's so easy to say. Because a lot of us, if we feel it, we do it. And it gets us nowhere. Listen, the quality of your decisions determine the quality of your life. So today and the next couple of weeks, I want to talk about the power of pre-deciding. That you decide before what you will do later. Listen, grandparents, parents, you got to do this. You have to think through things that are going to come up in your life and you got to stop and say, okay, when this happens, I'm going to do this. But man, you got to pass it on to your grade school kids, middle schools and high schoolers. If they learn how to do this, they're going to save themselves just a... A, a lifetime of pain and regret. Paul, who wrote two-thirds New Testament, he was a persecutor of Christians, and he became one. Uh, it, it, it had a lot to write. He took the teachings of Jesus, and he put them into ways that we could live them out practically. He wrote letters to different churches and places, and we have them all. But he says, 
if you want to get the most out of following Jesus, when you become mature, when you become uh, unbaby-like, when you, when you start to really grow, then we will no longer be like children forever changing our minds about what we believe because someone has told us something different or has cleverly lied to us and made the lie sound like the truth. A lot of us, the old King James says, we're tossed about by the waves. Like we just go wherever the waves take us. We can't make a decision. We don't think through things. So whatever, wherever life takes us is where we're going to end up. That's a good way to end up in a horribly bad place. So with God's help, we're going to pre-decide. Uh, and we're going to use this a, a lot. When faced, when faced with this situation, I've predecided to take this action. You fill in the blanks. All right? When faced with a good buy at the store, because it's on sale, I've predecided I'm going to wait three days. Uh, when when faced with, uh, I start to worry. When faced with worry, do you have a plan? What do you do when you start to worry? Me, when I'm faced with worry, I've predecided to sing worship songs in my mind. Because I've discovered I can't sing in my mind and worry at the same time. I can't worship and worry at the same time. So that, I mean, that, you think, are you making that up? No, I do that all the time. Uh, when you're treated poorly, When faced with poor treatment by other people, like people are wrong. You've pre-decided to pray for or ignore for instead of react to that person. Um, listen, here's how to do that. I just want to spend the next few minutes talking about this. It's super important. When you know what you value, it's so much easier to pre-decide. So my question to you, as we start a new year, I don't care what age you are, what do you value? What are the things that, like, what do you want people to say about you when they talk about you? What are the things that you hold on to and are, are super important? I'm like being a person of your word or you're, you're faithful in relationships or in your walk with Jesus or you're a generous person. You're not stingy. Um, you, you do the right thing. You, there's a purity about you, not that you're a goody two-shoes, but that you just choose to do the right thing. What is it you want people to say about you? What is it that you value? Jesus comes along and he talks a bunch of people about value because he knew that what was important to you was going to direct the decisions. And what your decisions are and, and how you decide is going to affect how you live with regret or not regret, with emptiness or with fulfillment. So Jesus says, hey, don't worry. Don't worry. Saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? Those are not things to value. He says, for the pagans. And he's not putting people down. He's just like, people that don't know God exist. They run after those things. And your heavenly father already knows that you need them. Jesus is saying, you're chasing stuff that's not going to pay off. You're fetching things that when you get them, is going to lead to regret or at least lead to emptiness. If you have a dog, golden retrievers are the best at this, you have a tennis ball, 
and you throw the tennis ball, what's the golden retriever going to do? He's going to go get How many times is he going to do that? A real golden retriever will do it over and over and over and over and over. In fact, if you watch sometimes like uh, police dogs, the only reason they're attacking the bad guy or sniffing out the drugs is so they can get their, their tennis ball to play with when they're done. So my question to you is, who's in charge of the golden retriever? Fetching the ball. The golden retriever's like, I can stop whenever I want. No, you can't. I'm in charge. When I throw the ball, the golden retriever brings it back. What is it that the world or life around you has told you, fetch that? You think, I can stop fetching whenever I want. No, you're running after stuff that's not valuable. And I'm not going to get too personal. You, you do your own personal inventory of yourself or with your, your spouse or, or with a family. What is the stuff that you're running after and fetching and where's it going to lead and what's the payoff? And maybe, just maybe, just maybe, you're putting time and energy and money into stuff that 10 years from now you're going to look back and say, that got us nowhere. Jesus says, man, quit fetching, quit running after that stuff, but seek first. Instead, run after God's kingdom, God's righteousness, and all the stuff that you think you need, it's going to be given to you anyway. Because God knows what you need. Listen, when your values, and you've got to decide what your values are. Your values don't have to be my values. And this ain't a, this ain't a Christian thing or a church thing. It's just a thing thing. Right? What do you value? Because your values are going to determine the decisions you make. When your values are clear, then your decisions are easier. But you've got to decide that ahead of time before you go out making choices and decisions. What is it you value? I want everyone to like me. That's my value. Now, no one's going to say that out loud, but it's a lot of our value. Well, holy schmoly, what are you going to have to do to get everyone to like you? That, you're going to be fetching that thing a long time. It's not till you get to be old. Old people, give me a whoop, whoop. Oh, they barely raise your hand. I, I know, I hurt my shoulder just doing it, all right? I'm with you, old people. Don't be offended. I'm, I'm in your corner, all right? You don't learn that stuff till you get old, and you young people don't listen to us because we're old. And I'm telling you, now that I'm old, I am super smart. <laughs> I still make bad decisions, but I can look back at the stupid things I was fetching and think, man, if I could help you at all as a middle school or a high school or as a young couple, just quit fetching that stuff. It's not going to pay off. Let me give you four values if, um, if you're familiar. And I, I think I would encourage you to get this book. Um, Build the Life You Want. Um, by Arthur Brooks and Oprah. Uh, Oprah helped out. But th this guy's done a ton of research. And he says, the four most fulfilling things in life, the four things that value, that most people who call themselves happy, these things are going well in their life. It's their faith, it's their family, it's their friends, and some kind of fulfilling work. Now, you understand faith, family, and friends. When, those, when you have those things in place and you're investing in them, you get more happiness, just the way it is. And you're like, man, I hate my job. Okay, but your job could still be fulfilling and meaningful if you look for ways to make it fulfilling and meaningful. Let me give you a quick example. I go to boot camp um, Monday, Wednesday, Friday with, with Jen Borner, um, and uh, I don't like it. I don't like going. I don't like it till it's done, but I'm getting in better shape, and I feel better about myself, so I show up. There's usually five or six rotations, five minutes, six minutes each. 
in between each rotation, when I get done, I'm like, Ugh, hate this. And you got a minute to get a drink and then get back in like, oh, I got to do this again. But in that minute, as I walk to the drinking fountain, I try to find somebody else in class and say, hey, how's it going? Or good to see you. Or hello. Or that was hard, wasn't it? Come on, we're almost done. Because it is not meaningful to sweat and stink and feel exhausted at boot camp. Not for me. Maybe for you it is. But it is meaningful when I say, okay, I'm going to make someone else feel better about themselves between each thing. I tell that story to say, I'm really quite an extraordinary person. (laughs) I'm just saying, you can take the meaning, the littlest, nothingest thing, and you can make it meaningful. If you got a job, you're like, I hate this job. Then invest in the people around you. When faced with this situation, you've pre-decided to do what? We're going to talk about that the next few weeks, but you got to decide. Because decisions determine direction, and direction determines destiny. One more question, then we're done. If, in fact, your life is moving in the direction of your decisions, do you like the direction your decisions are taking you? If your life is moving in the, in the direction of your decision, and it is, it just is, do you like where you're headed? Do you like the direction you're going? And you may have to just stop and pause, and you may have to ask some people around you that, that you trust. Hey, where do you think I'm headed? Is this a good place? Because sometimes we get caught fetching the same thing, and it becomes an addiction, and something has to intervene for us. Do you like where you're headed? Listen, that's the beauty of a new year. You can decide right now, okay, I'm going to sit down. If no one else wants to, at least I will. I'm going to sit down. I'm going to write down what I value. Then I'm going to start pre-deciding how I'm going to respond in order to live out those values. Even if I'm not getting emotionally what I want, even if it's not paying off right now, I know that these are good decisions because these are my values and I want to invest in my values. For some of you, 2024 is the year to take your life back. Because something or someone else has been in charge of it. I know I'm old. I say this all the time to young couples. I say it in in, in pre-marriage, before couples get married. I say it to young couples with kids. No one's listening. So listen, you don't have to listen to this. But life takes control of you if you don't take control of life. And some of you are not in control of your life. Like, wait, I I don't drink. I'm not doing drugs. I'm not saying that. If you don't have a plan for your life individually and as a family, there's a force and other things out there that are going to come and take control and tell you what to value and tell you where to spend your time, tell you where to put your money. And you're going to be on this uh, wheel that you can't get off because you've invested and you're like, oh, this this isn't even paying off. This year, the beginning of the year, you have to stop, man. Because some of you, if you continue going the direction you're going, it's not just going to lead to, oh, that was a bad decision. It's going to lead to full-blown regret. And as much enjoyment as you're getting out of that right now, I'm telling you, as an old person that can look back and wish 
he had done things differently, wish he had said something different, wish he had chosen a different path, I would love to live with less regret. There's stuff in your life and in your family's life that has just like consumed you. And if you haven't stopped and said, wait, is this what we value? Is this what we want? Is this how we want our family and our kids and ourselves to turn out? Let me give you three next steps. Uh, Every single week at Brewster and Chelan, we have a blue card we put in your handout. And uh, there's three next steps on there. The blue card is also a way to respond to, uh, if you've got prayer requests, we've got a prayer team. And the staff prays for all the prayer requests. Uh, and also if you have questions or comments or uh, whatever. But also there's three next steps. Let me give you three. You decide which one fits best for you and your family as we move out of this introduction of this subject. You decide what next step is good for you. They're all decisions. You decide what you'll value most. And maybe, listen, just start with one thing. Like sometimes we do resolutions like, I want to run a marathon. Well, how much are you running now? I run from my chair to the bathroom so I don't miss the show. You know, well, probably a marathon's not that, you're not going to run a marathon tomorrow. So why don't you just start by walking to the end of the block and back. All right? So just start with one value. What do you value most? And maybe if no one wants to talk to you about it, then you just start talking yourself. But what a great discussion to have at your small group if you're in one. What do you value most? You have to make that decision. You pre-decide what you value. So then your actions meet up with that so you live with less regret and much more fulfilling and meaningful life. Second, tough one. You decide the stuff. I didn't have any other word. The stuff what stuff has become a roadblock. There's so many things. I didn't, I didn't, know, I didn't know what word to put there. Uh, it, could, it could be an addiction. It could be something. It could be a health habit. It could be behavior, relationally, how you treat people, how you're being treated. I mean, what's, getting in the, what's getting in the way of you making good decisions? What, what, what's getting in the way uh, 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 of you feeling like uh, uh, you're not empty? that your life is meaningful, that what you do matters. What, 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 is it a person? Is it a thing? Is it a past thing? Listen, you're not what you used to be. You're not your bad mistakes in the past. You don't have to live controlled by stuff that happened to you or you chose to do in your past. You get a, it's a clean slate. It's a clean slate because it's a new year. You can choose your path forward. So what's getting in the way of you doing that? And finally, decide to find fulfillment in following Jesus. I love this. There's a point in Jesus' life, if you're not familiar with it, where God looks at the world and looks at his creation and says, man, they are messed up. And in our sin, in our mistakes, whatever you want to call it, it has separated us from God Almighty, who's holy, we are not. And we needed a rescue. God says to Jesus, the son, get down there, Jesus, and do something about it. So Jesus becomes the sacrifice, the payment for our punishment, our substitute for our sin. And maybe you're familiar. We talk about it around Easter. There's a time right before he gets arrested, put on a fake trial, and then put on a cross. Right before that time, he has this last supper. Hangs out with the disciples. Then he says, okay, dinner's over. 
let's go to the park. And they go down to this garden, and he says, you guys, big stuff's about to happen. Would you stay here and pray with me? And then he moves a little farther away, and he gets down and he starts praying. And this is his prayer. God, I don't want to go to the cross and die for all the people's sin. Can we do it differently? No? Okay, I'm going to do it your way. Jesus pre-decided that he would do the will of God as Father before the action in his life came about. And thank God he did. Jesus, in his humanity and in his deity, did not want to take on the pain and the punishment and the sin, being a holy person. And I know, like, how, how does that work? I don't know. But I'm so glad that he, that, that he pre-decided, that he said, I don't want to do this, but I'm going to do your will no matter what. That's a great value. Like, even when it's difficult, I'm going to follow Jesus. Even when it's hard, I'm going to choose to do the right thing. Listen, Jesus pre-decided because he's crazy about you. You're like, ah, no, that's not true. Man, he proved it. Because he got up, was arrested, went to a cross, gave up his life. Three days later, he rose from the dead to prove he just wasn't some false Messiah dude. How about you? 2024, what are you going to do with Jesus? Maybe, maybe this is your year. Maybe this is your day where you say, all right, I'm going to follow Jesus. I don't understand everything, but I understand something. I know I'm a mess. I know I've been a mess. I know my sin separates me from God, and I need a rescuer. I need a savior. I believe it's Jesus. Let's go. And 2024 becomes your year. This day becomes your year. I'd urge you. I'd pray, whether you're listening online or sitting in Shalana Brewster, that you would make that decision now and you would value a life that follows Jesus first of all and foremost.